0: Long history, random UK Prime Minister of the Week. The 16th Prime Minister, William Wyndham Grinville. The man who abolished the slave trade in the British Empire and was Prime Minister from the 11th of February 1806 to the 25th of March 1807. Hello everyone and welcome to a new series on Long History. We've covered lots of source documents from the Age of Exploration and we're going to try something different here Looking at another aspect of long history, with the intention of giving a brief overview of every Prime Minister that the UK has had. So we'll pick one Prime Minister at random and release one a week. As well as giving an introduction to the Prime Minister, how they reached the top and how they fell. We'll also give a flavour of the times and the history of the period. Now don't forget there's lots to explore on long history now including documents about the three most famous explorers from the Age of Exploration Magellan, Columbus and Vasco da Gama. So this is just intended to be a brief introduction to the Prime Minister William Wyndham Grenville. We're going to ask a few questions such as what was he like as a person? What was the historical background? How he became Prime Minister? What his principal achievements were as Prime Minister? And how did he stop being Prime Minister? And just to sum up at the end, we'll consider why we should remember this particular Prime Minister. But in the meantime, let's get going with random UK Prime Ministers of the week. The 16th Prime Minister, William Wyndham Grenville. So William Wyndham Grenville isn't one of the more famous Prime Ministers. And he was in fact only in the top job for just over a year. And it seems that he was a Prime Minister by circumstance rather than design. He wasn't a greatly ambitious man as such. He was what we could call a political stalwart, one of those politicians who's always in the background for a generation or so. And he rose to the top office after the death of one of the UK's more famous earlier prime ministers. That was William Pitt the Younger. And funnily enough, these two men, as we will see, had a lot of connections, but they had one significant difference. Now, as we've said, William Wyndham Grenville isn't widely remembered, but there is one memorably historic achievement from his time in office which we'll look at here. So just to start with we wanted to ask the question of what he was like and apparently he was given the name Bogey during his lifetime. This was said to represent his rather awkward physicality and his poor dress sense. So he seems to be quite an awkward character, not very prime ministerial in that sense and he was prime minister during the reign of George Third. Now that particular king is the one who's famous for being the mad one. He's also the one who lost the United States. And by the time Grenville came into office, the United States had been lost. And George III had been reigning for well over four decades. So we're looking at the period before 1806 when Grenville became prime minister. And it was actually a very tumultuous time. There were revolutions and uprising in two of the UK's neighbours, France and Ireland with the French Revolution having taken place in 1789, which was less than two decades before Grenville took office. So that in itself had made landowners in Great Britain nervous. And then the Act of Union took place on the 1st of January 1801, and this is the act that made Ireland officially part of the United Kingdom, an event that was obviously very significant and also very controversial. Against that slightly more distant background in 1806 itself, The Napoleonic Wars were in full swing. Now I'm not an expert in any of these areas, but the Napoleonic Wars were a series of battles and alliances and wars, all with one common enemy, who was Napoleon. And those wars wouldn't end until 1815, so there was plenty of life in them yet. One thing that had happened, however, was that Nelson had died the year before, in one of this series of wars. He died in the Battle of Trafalgar, and anyone who's visited London will see him standing on top of a pole in Trafalgar Square. And just before 1806 was one of the peaks of the war, and this apparently led to the death, albeit indirectly, of William Grenville's predecessor, Pitt the Younger. And he died rather suddenly, leaving a gap for the position of Prime Minister. So, what was the UK like at this time? Well actually we have to be a bit careful about the terminology here because actually technically the UK had only existed for six years at this point. At least this particular version of the UK which only came into existence in 1801. Before that we might have called it the United Kingdom of Great Britain or just Great Britain but in 1801 Ireland was added. There were about 17 million people in the UK at the time which included 5.5 million in Ireland The Industrial Revolution hadn't quite begun but in the same decade the earliest steam locomotives were being developed. And just to pick out a town for example, Leeds in the north of England had 53,000 people in 1800 whereas today it has 790,000 people. So there's been a vast increase in the size of Britain's towns over those two centuries. Before we give more information about leaders and kings... I thought it worth mentioning that a handloom weaver in Glasgow was said to earn 17 shillings and 8 pence in 1806, that would be about £100 per week in today's money, or 123 US dollars, that's at today's exchange rate of £100. Another example, a bricklayer in Greenwich in south-east England, would have earned 29 shillings per week in the same year, which would be around £160 or 201 US dollars. And just to make clear, that's per week. It was interesting to note in particular about the handloom weavers, for example, that their wages were soon to go down actually because of the Industrial Revolution. That would be when home-based jobs moved into the factories. To give a bit more of a global perspective, in the United States around that time, the Louisiana Purchase happened in 1803, and the famous Lewis and Clark Expedition, quite possibly to be covered on long history, ended in 1806. In that year the previous state to enter the Union was Ohio, becoming the 17th state in 1803. William Wyndon Grenville was born and in fact died in Buckinghamshire, which is to the northwest of London. He was one of the 20 Prime Ministers to have attended Eton, that's 35% of Prime Ministers going to one school, and he was one of 30 Prime Ministers to go to Oxford University. That's 52% of Prime Ministers who went to one university. Initially he trained to go into the legal profession, but he entered politics instead in 1782, being elected the MP for Buckingham in that year, and then going on to represent Buckinghamshire in 1784. An interesting fact about Grenville is that he's one of only two sons of Prime Ministers to become Prime Minister themselves, His father was George Grenville, who had been Prime Minister No. 7 between 1763 and 1765. It's also interesting to note that his predecessor, who we've already mentioned, William Pitt the Younger, was the other Prime Minister whose father was also a Prime Minister. That being William Pitt the Elder. And really that was an age where father-son pairings being Prime Ministers isn't too much of a surprise, and the connections go even further because this Grenville was William Pitt the Elder's nephew by marriage. Also, Grenville married William Pitt the Elder's grandniece and Grenville, although he never had any children. And when he died in 1834, he would leave her a widow for 30 years until she died at the age of 92. So we can see that there was a dynasty involved here. The Grenvilles had two prime ministers, the Pitts had two prime ministers. They were all related by marriage with William Pitt the Younger actually being this Grenville's cousin. So the leadership of the country at the time was rather a small world, and sometimes when you read through these bi- biographies you do get a sense that it's almost inevitable that some of these people they were so well connected that they had to end up becoming prime minister. And I think this was particularly the case for Grenville. But what actually happened that led him to become prime minister? Well, many of the prime ministers of this age were men of the establishment. He'd entered the House of Commons in the year 1782 and served in many roles including Speaker of the House of Commons, Home Secretary and Foreign Secretary at various points during that tumultuous period of revolution and war. He was Foreign Secretary for example after the French Revolution so he had plenty to deal with. And this ultimately it seems was the reason why he got the job of Prime Minister during a tense moment for the country. The country wanted a steady hand after the death of his predecessor, the popular William Pitt the Younger, whose attempts to find a solution to the Napoleonic conflict were, apparently, what led to his death. Grenville's own journey to the job of Prime Minister perhaps began in 1801, when Ireland became part of the rest of the United Kingdom. Grenville at that time believed in so-called Catholic emancipation, a big issue at the time, and he said that that was necessary for the act to work. The king at the time, however, would not accept such emancipation or treatment of Catholics on equal terms as Protestants. He was a Protestant king. That meant that at that time, 1801, Grenville went into the opposition, and from 1801 onwards he became a prominent figure, working in particular with the leader of the opposition, Charles James Fox. This disagreement over Catholic emancipation would come to a head once again when Grenville took up the position of Prime Minister. Grenville was given the job in the midst of this Napoleonic conflict and the resulting government, rather hastily put together as a coalition in reaction to William Pitt the Younger's death, was called, apparently satirically, a Ministry of All the Talents. Grenville himself, it seemed, was a quick fix, a safe pair of hands, someone who was experienced and a tolerable compromise, who could bring many, if not all people together to quickly form a government. A government that was needed at time of war and after the death of the previous leader. And it was because of this coalition of a mixed bag of talents and its creation as a reaction to events rather than with any predefined manifesto that the government was unable to come up with many clear policies either with regard to the war or domestic issues. Bearing that in mind, what were Grenville's biggest achievements whilst he was Prime Minister? Well, despite the brevity of his time in office, Grenville's Ministry of All the Talents could claim one great achievement, which was the Slave Trade Abolition Act from 1807. That predecessor Pitt the younger had wanted to abolish the slave trade, but his cabinet had been split. This ministry, however, being of all the talents, managed to cobble together a coalition who all agreed to abolish the slave trade. So in this way, Grenville achieved what Pitt had not been able to manage. One thing that helped that achievement was the inclusion of 100 Irish MPs into Parliament after that 1801 Act of Union. Most of these MPs supported the abolition. And with the support of Grenville himself to push it through, and after many years of campaigning, of course, by people such as William Wilberforce, the bill was finally pushed through and the slave trade was made illegal. Ah, but the devil's in the detail here, of course, because although the trade was made illegal, slavery itself wasn't quite declared illegal. And of course, this is something of a bittersweet victory, because something was made illegal that actually, well, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. The slave trade, in the meantime, was by no means on its deathbed, with almost 400,000 Africans shipped to the Americas between 1791 and 1800. So it was one step in the right direction, but it wasn't the end of slavery or of the slave trade. But we've mentioned a few of the other issues that were around at the time, including that issue of Catholic emancipation. And when Grenville came to the office of Prime Minister, it was still controversial, Now George III, the Protestant king, had supported Grenville's ascension to the premiership but the old issue reared its head again when the government proposed to let Catholics become generals in the army. Now it's amazing to think that that was a controversial issue but the government actually fell due to that issue with the king making it clear that these Catholic problems should not be raised again. So it seems that that disagreement was what ended Grenville's premiership but there were other details too. He was a contemporary of William Pitt the Younger, of course, but he was, self-confessedly, a better right-hand man than a leader. Whereas his predecessor had excelled in the role as Prime Minister, despite the role contributing to his death, it seemed, Grenville did not take to the job quite so easily. He wasn't an impressive war leader, and this coalition of the talents could have been said to lack direction. And the result of this was that on the 25th of March 1807, William Henry Cavendish Bentick, better known as the Duke of Portland, returned to the job as Prime Minister for the second time. He'd had a previous eight-month stint in 1783. So it was after this coalition of the talents, with Grenville the stalwart, not quite proving as effective a leader as was hoped, the establishment faced in a different direction, choosing someone who already had a bit of experience in the role. Grenville was only 48 when he left office and he would remain in politics. He was leader of the opposition Whig party for almost a decade and remained active in politics for many years after that. He died on the 12th of January 1834. So why should we remember William Wyndham Grenville? This was a man of the establishment who pushed through a bill to end the slave trade in the British Empire. It's perhaps something that only a real insider could have done. So that's a brief introduction to Prime Minister number 16, William Wyndham Grenville. Many apologies for any factual inaccuracies. I'm afraid it's almost impossible to be an expert on all the details here. So please, if you're interested, just see this as a starting point so you can go and research for yourself if you're interested in this particular topic. Before you go, please do give this episode a like Don't forget that there's lots to explore on long history. Please do subscribe to hear more episodes like this. But above all, thank you for listening. This was Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, the 16th Prime Minister, William Wyndham Grenville. Goodbye.